I like Mark remembering why he doesn't do podcasts with us very regularly before we even started the show. I like his little face that goes, oh my God. Oh, you like to see hope die in my eyes. <laughs> Is that, you, you like to see... You like to see despair creep upon my, my features when I realise that sober me has to edit this. Come on, Mark, you're at the wheel, let's go. I'm Mark Stedman, and I've put writing this intro at the top of my to-do list. I'm Danny Smith. The only good thing to do with good advice is to pass it on. It is never any use to oneself. I'm John Bowson. Let's just get this done, eh? I'm John Hickman, and I bought 17 different pens before I could write this. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the leper, 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 leper. This is Don't Panic, the bit at the arse end of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. This is where every so often we get together to share some words we've written that we think might slot into a pull-out section of the guide, in so far as an electronic book can have a pull-out section. Anyway, this week's... (laughs) week's uh, topic is productivity. <laughs> no, 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 that's no. We, we do this every week and we edit it and they're lovely podcasts we just don't share them for <laughs> Yeah, us. We, we, we wait for the really good ones. The really good ones. <laughs> this listener, this is the best that we can do. God. If you come round to our house, there's a special room and we'll say our tastes are somewhat strange and you'll open the door we're and it's full just, of podcasts of us we're just laying down the uh, bootleg series for future generations i'd like to think so so lads what are your top productivity hacks to really leverage those synergies and maximize your deliverables i want us to crush it do you want actual productivity tips from us uh, yeah yeah right here's mine essentially do a half-assed job because like a half-assed job's probably all right you could draw a graph in the shape of, say, a leg, but, like, 70% of the effort produces something that's 90% yep. good. And it's, like, the last 30% really doesn't do anything because no one really cares and no one really knows what good is. So just do a half fast job. What I like there is you've got a mixture of one of the things which is very much a thing in productivity in those circles, which is the 80-20 rule, but you've also mixed that with a sort of Bernie Sanders, the... 90% of the 70% kind of vibe. So I think you've captured both productivity and Marxism, which is the Venn diagram in which this podcast sits. Well, what John's really described is the sort of difference between waterfall and agile in a way. He said, well, don't sit around trying to make it perfect in your head and then deliver on it. Just have a go. That's exactly how John writes. John will write the thing perfectly in his head, not laying a word down until it's all done. Whereas I will do three or four drafts and send them to him and be like yeah that's okay you need to change this need to change this and i'll be like oh where's your john he's like, oh it's brewing oh it's brewing well in fact he hasn't written a fucking word and he's waiting for the last in- <laughs> last minute because it needs to be in his words it needs to be perfect in my head first who would have thought then in in this little group then we've got basically a project manager and then we've got a waterfall based project deliverer and an agile based project deliverer i think this is i think we've got the makings of a seminar here lads can, can we have a game of danny explains to us what our jobs are because we did this a while back and it was a lot of fun with john hickman when danny explained to john hickman what john hickman does i wonder okay. if danny can explain to john bounds what john bounds does john bounds works for a large charity yep and mm-hmm. he does things with the internet managing their web presence is there more that would have been right a couple of years ago actually okay i still don't know what john h does i think i said last time we had this discussion that john h basically sends t-shirts to angry people (laughs) 
And I think that's probably the best description that could possibly be given. And I'm looking at his little face now. I'll take that. <laughs> he has to apologise to people by sending them t-shirts. Oh, so he's, he's not sending the t-shirts that makes them angry, which would be a cool job. No. He's trying to make them no. less angry by giving them <laughs> he's t-shirts. Trying to make them, he's trying to mollify them, yeah, by giving them t-shirts. I love the idea that you start off with no idea what sort of t-shirt would make <laughs> them less angry. And you just have to, you can gauge their anger. You have to go, oh, here's a nice baggy uh, 90s Nirvana one. Oh, no, that hasn't made them happy at all. Here's a skinny fit Oasis one. Oh, here's one with a very deep v-neck. Scoring this game then, <laughs> Danny, uh, so Danny against John Bounds. John Bounds, uh, 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 a score of 10, how, how well did Danny do? I'd give him eight a couple of years ago, but it's a little more complicated than that now. But also, I haven't really done anything since the start of the pandemic. So Ten out of ten, then? Yeah. Am I going to be hamstring this episode? Because I don't understand a lot of the productivity stuff. A lot of it hasn't changed that much in terms of, I think, a lot of the same kind of thinking. I remember having a conversation with you back in the early 21st century when you were talking about what kind of frog you were oh my and god I think, I think shit like that is still what's happening now so i used to work for one of the biggest catering companies and basically they did catering for anywhere that needs catering so they gave uh, their prisoner food hospital food school dinners they were the suppliers of that as um, amongst other things they had a training day the first training day i ever went to i was only there a year or so and i happened to be there at one of the training days quite early on so half the day was about finding out about the history of the company and where they come from and stuff. And I would argue that I don't need to know that to work for the company. But, you know, you're paying me for it. Fine. The other half of the day was taken by these trainers who were an independent company that came in. And they wanted to assess what colour frog you were. And when they gave you the colour frog, you would take the frog and put it on the desk. So a different color, there was three different color frogs, I think. There was a green frog for people that are like very passive and um, like to get on with their work and don't really like to talk, but they get a lot done. The, so those, that, those are the good boys and girls that we no, like? No, yeah. no, 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 no. You wanted a red frog. The red frog were the go-getters. They were the A-types. They were the people that made decisions. So green frogs are arc B frogs? No, they're, they're arc C frogs. Green frogs are arc C because they actually do things. Yeah, and then there were yellow frogs which were the people that liked to chat and socialise and held the company together using cohesive methods. Yeah. (laughs) And so they tried to inflict this frog-based apartheid on us. And and they explained what they were doing, and they were giving out the frogs, and they were like, okay, so we've assessed you, but what colour frog do you think you are? And I wasn't happy about it. And I was like, please, may I have all three frogs? And they were like, why do you want three frogs? And I was like, because I'm a human being and I have moods. Like, sometimes I'm a go-getter, sometimes I feel chatty, sometimes I just want to get on with my work. And they were like, that's not how the system works. I'm like, the system doesn't work very well then, does it? And I was like, actually, can I have a purple frog? And they were like, why do you want a purple frog? Because sometimes I'm, I'm a go-getter, but sometimes I, 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 I'm not as go-getting, so I want something that kind of reflects who I am as an individual that can't be boiled down to one of three colours. And they were like, we've tried this in different companies and it seems to really work. And I'm like, what metric were you measuring it working? Because you can't say it really works based on anecdotal evidence. Have you ever gone back and, uh, and checked or is this just them going, yeah, you did a good job? And they were like, we don't want you at training anymore. Something that was reflected uh, back at me by the assessment I didn't know I was getting by my supervisor when I arrived at work next day. He didn't even take me to another room. He took me to his seat on the desks that we all occupied. 
and he was like, um, so I had your assessment back from training yesterday, and I'm like, out of interest, does everybody get assessed at training? And he was like, no, not really. And I was like, okay, and how was it? And he goes, uh, you don't have to do training anymore. <laughs> You're going to come in here and work with me. And I was like, okay, why don't you go to training? And he was like, oh, I was thrown out of training three years ago when I questioned the same thing. Hey! <laughs> I made it my point then, from then on, whenever I walked through the office, to steal the frogs off people's desks and put them on other people's desks. To see, <laughs> obviously, the chaos that would confuse, because the system is so finely tuned that any sort of disruption of it would obviously cause like such, such massive chaos. No one even noticed. Nobody cared about the frogs. So, so that, that's what interests me now, because I, I didn't realise that the coda to this story is that the frogs continue... And, and you're supposed to keep them with you as a marker of what kind of worker you are so that someone can scan the, the savannah of a working office and be able to pick out the different groups of people. Oh, yeah, no, it was the mark. It was the velvet mark. Like, it was the scarlet letter that was, oh, this man is a chatter. Stay away from him because he will draw you in with his nonsense and babble. And, oh, this man's a go-getter. He's going places. Like, fucking... Just and they'd obviously just made it up. It wasn't like based on any sort of research. It was obvious. And I started asking the manager how much they pay for trainers and stuff, and how much they were paying them. And uh, he said, like, you really need to drop that because that's an issue that's going on at the moment. <laughs> I like the idea that essentially there must have been a frog quota because what if everyone you're there on the day and you've got thirty four percent red, thirty three green, thirty three yellow. But you got a room of 50% reds. You just be like, wow, he's a bit green adjacent. I'll give him that for convenience. <laughs> See, the, I don't want, the, the, the I, I problem don't want there to is. Follow up with my frog here. If, if you've got 33% green, 33% red, 33% blue, you're missing something, in, in which case you haven't got a frog quorum. That is true. You can't, there's no voting rights. Do you know what was more popular than the frogs being displayed on the desks? A rep no. came round for the M6 toll road. That was just opening up, <laughs> right? And he gave out little squishy... I think they, were, they looked like pills, essentially, but I think they were just squishy toys, stress relievers, with M6 toll written on. But because of a misprint, it looked like it said M6 troll. <laughs> Nearly every person had one of them on their desk, but it was rare that you saw somebody proud of their frog. I think the M6 trolls up the road of the A5 near me, and he keeps on going, He's a good at Woodbridge. He's a good at Woodbridge. He's a good at Woodbridge. <laughs> So first up to present to you our, our writings is me. I've got things that I've written uh, on the subject of, of productivity. And I think this will make itself obvious as we, as we go in. Let's fi fire up the guide. This article was published in a brief period when the guide was under the ownership of the VAPS Media Group who made a number of sweeping changes to the layout and structure of articles in the hopes that any unused space around, for example, the words on the page, could be taken up with targeted advertising. Ultimately, this effort to radically rethink the guide's monetization strategy didn't pay off, 
as most people found the guide became too uncomfortably hot to hold after a few minutes of reading, due to the processing power required to tap into the reader's cerebral cortex to find out whether they'd prefer a meat-based or meat-free hamburger to be shown to them, because they once looked up the definition of mustard. Whilst many of those articles have been superseded by the user-editable Galactopedia, some inexplicably remain, like this early draft of a listicle on productivity. Five unbelievable productivity hacks you're an asshole for not using. Number three will leave you screaming. The only way to fatten an Arcturan mega chicken is to keep feeding it. Viet Vujigig. That quote doesn't have anything to do with the topic of this article, but lots of people search for it. We don't actually know if Viet ever said that, but it's the sort of thing he would say, so that's good enough for our purposes. Now for something general about how the pace of working life has got to be too fast, what with the house, and the kids, and the robot spouse, and the sexually frustrated dog. In this era of Sabitha cheese graters and microwavable DNA, it can be hard to fit it all in or something. Karen, get one of the juniors to fill this bit in with something their age group actually knows about. Ever wonder how those fat cats on Ursa Minor Beta crush it 11 days a week and still make time for Brocky and Ultra Cricket? We've got you. Here are the five productivity hacks those bastards don't want you to know about. Karen, is this too aggressive? Space for an ad, space for an ad, space for an ad. Number one, delete your email. We all know about Grotum Dink's Inbox Never strategy, where all Sabitha mail is forwarded straight from the sender's outbox into your trash, saving you the time and hassle of having to read or act upon any message that might come your way. But that's far too time consuming, and all that time watching emails get deleted is time that should be spent sinking pangalactic gargle blasters or recording a podcast. So now simply cut out the middleman and delete your email account. Hang on, just waiting for the next page to load. Number two, go to bed and never wake up. We all know meetings are toxic, and the longer you're awake, the more of your precious calendar can be taken up discussing meetings, calendarising meetings, and in some cases, even attending meetings. That's why we recommend going to bed, preferably on a restacular mattress, affiliate link here, and only waking up to perform bodily functions. Number three, eliminate all bodily functions. Did you know the average sentient life form spends between 2 and 39 hours every week ejecting water, vapour, high performance petrol or other waste from their bodies? This is time that should be spent undermining your in-laws or recording a podcast. The new Happy Tubes Excretia Erasure device secures firmly to one or any of your body's points of egress and constantly milks you throughout the day. You will learn to love the gentle sucking motion of the Happy Tubes Excretia Erasure device and after a while you won't even notice the searing pain or blood loss. But what you will notice is how many more hours in the day you have. Related articles, Zaphod Beeblebrox bites back at cancel culture, Eccentrica Galumbits on her botched nipple reshaping, Slarty Bartfast looks at fjords, fails to secure a second season. Number four, take all the drugs. 
procrastinine, do-it-all and synapsalax are all widely available in most reputable chemists throughout the nether regions of the galaxy. But who hasn't been at a party and been offered a couple of lines of powdered Brockian ultra beans? While of course we at the guide would never condone the taking of any illicit substances, unless we're taken over by someone hip again, there's something to be said for that sharp kick in the brainstem that you can only get from a bump of brocane. Try it today! Number 5. Own your calendar, literally. Dr. Duven Stophammer, Timebender magazine's pinup of the month and the best-selling author of Take Your Time, is the pioneer of a new thought technology that essentially empowers people to reshape the fundamental nature of their time management. For Dr. Stophammer, time is simply not only an illusion, but one which is seen differently by each observer. For a nominal fee of 268,000 Altarian dollars, you can attend a Stophammer Time Refactoring Seminar, where you will learn how to create your own calendar, divide months, weeks and even days into arbitrary units of your choosing, and avoid any potential work deadlines foisted on you by people with incompatible calendars. The fewer deadlines you have to meet, the more time you can spend scrolling through ads, picking wax out of your ear, or recording a podcast. Free webinars on calendar reframing run every weekday at 2600 Stop Hammer Time. Mate, should we just pack it in? Because we're not. I'm not going to beat. We're not going to beat that. I hadn't planned for this to be so good. <laughs> Is that where you wanted uh. to go first? Is that a thing? You wanted well, to fucking blow us off the stage? Well, no, usually what happens is we all get blisteringly drunk and then I'm the last one to record and everybody's mm. already sleepy. So mm. I thought I'd get True. mine in first while I'm True. still able to vaguely see. Oh, I mean, I was basically upset that it felt like I should have taken some sort of survey in order to be able to yeah. listen to that. Yeah. Uh, please rate and review the survey. It really helps the survey get discovered. Mark, have you written a listicle before? Because I don't want to cast aspersions on you, mate, here, but... We've got a back channel. Sorry, sorry to bring the, the listeners behind the curtain with me here. We've got a back channel. Mm. We've all been a bit against it today, trying to write some stuff. And listicles a good way of just getting there, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good way of getting there, isn't it? Good way of shitting it out. <sighs> can yep. I just actually, if we're going to mention the back channel, can I say that? And this is a little inside baseball, so excuse the indulgence. But all day on the back channel, everyone was like, "Oh, I'm so against it. Oh, I haven't even started." Oh, I'm not sure this is any good. And Mark said, oh, yeah, no, I'm not sure it's any... Knowing that he absolutely fucking nailed it. That's not bullshit. knowing, not that's, knowing that. If we're going to play <laughs> it's them... It's all in the performance. If we're going to play, if we're gonna play them, them them tactics, then you get ready for next week. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Is, well, it is very much the joke, but like even when you're doing a podcast or what we sometimes do when we're writing stuff on Paradise Circus... Paradise Circus, by the way, being a being a local website about the city that the that we are nominally interested in. For those that don't know, we mentioned it enough. I thought they'd be subscribed. Oh, every, um, every episode is an opportunity for a new listener, John. Well, yeah, it's an opportunity for us to talk about Birmingham. At yeah, great true. Someone in Atlanta. <laughs> so hi. No, we'll often lean on the listicle because mm. it's just we just need to shit it out. Yeah, yeah, and, and that explains where we are, right? With mm newspapers doesn't it it really does <laughs> which is your central mm. the central plank of your joke about like karen but get the millennials to write a bit in here when they finish having their avocados on toast mm-hmm. I, I felt personally attacked by that by the way because often i'll send stuff to john <laughs> okay with just like fucking stars <laughs> next to a paragraph 
saying joke here joke yeah here. Put, put something good in here john yeah and, and john is so adept at writing like me that like you can do that Did we all watch the Bo Burnham inside thing? I did. No. Uh, Bo Burnham lost his mind during lockdown and made a comedy special yeah, from inside one room, which he pretty much didn't leave for like a year. And it's harrowing, but also funny. And he writes some smashing songs, but there's, he does a song and the, the line is, Daddy made you some content. It's your favourite open wide. Yeah. That makes me so uncomfortable as somebody put that produces something on the internet. So when yeah. you when we're introducing our stuff, it's very hard. Do we have some content. It's very hard not to co- replay in our mind that we're like, Daddy made you some content. It's only content if we have any plans to monetize or I don't know. Oh shit, sell a book over it. Oh no, no it is content. It's not just a thing we made for a hobby that's fun that none of us have monetized and, in fact, has lost us money. Now it's content because it's technically a long game for a promotion for a book that will cost five ninety nine and we'll sit It's toilet. funny you should mention books, Mark, because that's where I'm taking you right now. The best book that was never written, the guide claims, was written by Mr Peter Donaldson of number 27B, Longdale Road, Rygate, Surrey, Earth. Donaldson lived for some 37 years until his house was demolished to make way for a hyperspace bypass, leaving his first novel thoroughly unstarted. We know this story only because the sheer emptiness of meaningful progress made on the work, which in fact would have been the first volume of a groundbreaking dyad, created at the moment of his death a quantum event that triggered observation equipment many millions of light years away in the research laboratory of productivity anthropologist Gurkut Taktisi. Taktisi was so excited by the alarm that she immediately began to make plans to investigate. Within three years and after just 1,137 to-do lists, Taktisi realised she needed a bigger whiteboard to mind map the requirements for the trip. Four years after that, 2,391 to-do lists, Taktisi had gathered many requirements and began working on a system to prioritise the work. Seven years later still, she had now delivered nine conference papers on the work, three of which she had actually drafted as journal articles. Two of those had not been sent to publishers, but one had come back. The paper, entitled If Zaphod Beeblebrocks Had a Job, The Quantum Signature of Doing Nothing, had received warm praise from its first peer reviewer. However, reviewer number two pointed out that Taktisi's work was naive and dull beyond imagining, and hasn't even cited my own paper, Zaphod Beeblebrocks Ate My Gebs on Quantum Theory Applied to Brownian Motion in Warm Drinks. Years 8 and 9 were spent writing funding bids to give more time for Taktisi to plan her fieldwork to investigate the gaping void of action in space-time. Years 10 to 12 went on outreach to engage stakeholders in the local community with this valuable work. During year 13, Taktisi took a sabbatical to work on a much-delayed manuscript for an old project. 
In year 14, Taktisi was made a Dean in recognition of her glowing career. Her first objective as senior management was to bring in workload modelling, as she felt there was a general lack of productivity amongst the faculty. Her model is yet to be implemented on this, the 4,000th anniversary of her death. Had she ever made the trip to the site of the quantum disruption, she would have eventually pieced together the following facts. Mr Peter Donaldson of number 27B Longdale Road, Rygate, Surrey, Earth, who never wrote a word of the most important book never written, died owing £1,867 in credit card debt run up at Ryman's stationery. His desktop PC contained 29 different distraction-free writing programmes, 28 unopened, and as his planet was vaporised, he held in his hand a copy of the book Getting Things Done. That puts me in mind of a piece of technology that uh, Mr. John Bounds owned and talked about in a very early episode <laughs> of this particular podcast. John Bounds, would you like to tell us about that? How's your Hemingway, John? Hemingwright. <laughs> uh, it was lovely. I flogged it. Got almost all the money I'd spent on it back. It was basically a computer where they'd taken all the computer away. It was meant to be a nice typewriter. You know how some keyboards are a bit like a pressing on like a, a slice mm-hmm. of cheese but it was like it was a good keyboard with all good action and all that and it was portable and battery operated meant to last a long time and stuff but it turned out it wasn't the access to the internet that was stopping <laughs> uh, writing it was the access to the rest of the world or at least that's what i thought until they did the whole lockdown thing and then it was became the access to something else what i really liked about john's piece and all of our pieces since is that we mentioned zaphod beetlebrox a lot and i love the idea that zaphod is a the, the only language i've got to describe this is from marvel from uh, the comics but the tv is using it is a Nexus character. Yeah. So for some reason, the universe has decided that their life is important and the things that they do affect everyone. That explains the total perspective vortex. I love the idea that he, <laughs> like this kind of chancer has just lucked into this life where everything he, he failed does, upwards. Yeah, he's, everything he does is significant. Where there are people around him that really try and really care and really like really put the effort in. And, like, their yeah. life is as in- inconsequential as, like, anyone else's. And I love the fact that we all pick up on that vibe and reflect it a lot. Right at the start of the original radio series, and kind of in the start of the first book, it's intimated that four prefects and Arthur Dent are supremely important <laughs> in the history of the Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. And it, and it just... It's never addressed... They are so. Here's the story of some of the minds behind it. The idea of a passive hero is something that still hasn't quite been explored. Like it's all about like a hero's journey, and like the hero refusing the call and then get past the the barriers. And yeah, there is a certain amount that that does overlap with this, you know, Hitchhiker's Guide. But the idea that the person that is doing that is also supremely passive and like never stopped refusing the call but got dragged along anyway. There's something very neat about that. There's something very fresh still. So who is who is Peter Donaldson then? Oh, he, he didn't write the best book ever written. I mean, let's face it, it's probably me, isn't it? <laughs> having, having spat it out in, in something of a pinch today, and I read it back, I was very aware of the fact that we've collected several thousand pounds this week for writing a book. Mm. 
so I've not done any writing for uh, the Inside Baseball answer to that is that John and Danny and I uh, have just done a Kickstarter and we got backed massively on it and it funded how many percent do we hit 500 yeah. in i think the i think you did over 500 percent uh if if you follow btl podcast on twitter you will have seen the retweets about this but yes uh, these gentlemen have been working on a book which is called birmingham it's not shit or, or not, not work, work. We're, we're planning to work asking for your money a lot of it's in my head john a lot oh, of it's in my head all right Just... <laughs> so will this be a an agile project Get off my dick about this right. if this if this does make it into the podcast can i just point out i read all john b's stuff yesterday yeah, he did and Same. it's wonderful it's really good in fact so good i can't write the rest of mine because there is an impossible standard to reach and i'm probably gonna have to do something drastic. Stop letting perfect be the enemy of good, Danny. That's fine. But it's like this podcast. I pretend that I'm not competitive. Every week I'm on a beat. <laughs> Every single fucking week. When Mark is all self-effacing and, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, but fucking then nails it. It kills me a little inside. Every single time. Every when he beats me, because he does beat me and I hate it. Well, wow. Just, just, okay. Cut that. Well, if, if you're not sure if, you, if you're interested in the book that Danny and John and I are writing, when Danny did the bit earlier on about frogs earlier on and he was explaining how everyone's a different frog and, and how Danny did this, had this big moment where he was like, yeah, but I'm different frogs at different times. I was like, that's literally the only piece I've written for our book so far about critical theory and about identity politics. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Danny's just beaten me already by doing a bit about frogs <laughs> so if you want to if you want to have a book where i take that and make it more boring and then apply it to birmingham please pre-order the novel now that's a slightly tautological statement but we'll go with it john bounds you've been uh, you've, you've done some writing on the subject of productivity i hear i was thinking that there are two sorts of productivity there's the stuff that i think you we're addressing Mark and, and you, John, tangentially, where you have this great desire to get mm-hmm. stuff done or get shit done. And there's a sense in which there's another angle to productivity in which you don't care whether shit gets done or not. But because of the way capital works, you are obliged to get shit done <laughs> for those that own the means of production, if you see what I mean. Ladies and gentlemen, please. Take your seats. We are now entering John's Socialism Corner. <laughs> it, it didn't, honestly, it didn't start out as that. This started out, this started out. I was going to do... Remember earlier on when we took you behind the curtain? Into the back channel. Earlier today, Jonathan Bell yeah. said, I'm not doing anything about socialism today. I have already covered everything that Marxism has to say on this matter. Well, it, it turns out I covered everything that Marx... Has to say, but there are other Marxists. Oh, here um, we go. Here comes Engels. Come on, then. <laughs> no, this is, it's not Engels. We're talking basically sort of Italian theorists now, but um, we're, uh, yes. Gramsci. But- oh, Grammo. Oh, Gramdog. The Gram MC. It's Grambo. <laughs> Grambo First Blood. I started off <laughs> trying to write one of these airy fairy science fictiony, ooh, spacey things that you all like with the funny planet names. And everything, and I got, and I had this concept, and I thought, oh yeah, oh we can, oh blimey, oh yes, we can do that. Freaky out, oh, what are we doing? Oh no, with a little, but I thought we oh, could I thought do I that. Bit of space. And, I, and I thought a bit of all that sort of dark no, stuff Mrs. that you all like, <laughs> faster than light, and I know all that paradoxes. 
<laughs> too many Zeds. Can I point out John is a genuine friend of ours? He's not just some, like, communist that we've press ganged. <laughs> into pretending to talk about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy so he can... He knows more about Douglas Adams than the three of us do. He's genuinely our friend. This isn't a fucking ploy. <laughs> Danny, he's only here because the five-year plan says we have to get 100 podcasts out. I'm funded by uh, Russia today. <laughs> but what about tomorrow? But, well, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> but anyway, right, as a, you, you, you might notice that this starts off very much in the sort of spacey wheelhouse. <laughs> I loved her in the Scream franchise she was amazing have you never seen Spacey Wheelhouse she's it's amazing when she got her waps out but essentially as you might um, discover it's essentially a lot of poo jokes with some Marxist theory tacked on that's that no, that option no longer exists isn't it, it motion without time is impossible time without motion is just decay Time and motion is people looking at you frowning and using a stopwatch on your piss breaks. Although it's beloved of certain types of business and is supposedly to improve productivity, time and motion is not to be confused with time is money, as this is complete nonsense only said by the kind of people who also say, I enjoy a round of golf, or people need to take personal responsibility, or I wouldn't live in Birmingham itself, there are a few too many blacks. The concept behind a time and motion study is to benchmark how a task is carried out, how long each part of it takes, and to establish where productivity could be improved by changing practices. The practice of a time and motion study is for someone with a stopwatch to time how long it takes you to do a motion. Time and motion studies are part of what is called a Taylorist scientific management approach based on the idea that most workers who are forced to perform repetitive tasks tend to work at the slowest rate that goes unpunished. The originator Frank Taylor suggested that time and motion studies combined with rational analysis could uncover one best method for performing any particular task and that prevailing methods were seldom equal to those best methods. By making a task more efficient, productivity increases and bosses can reduce the number of workers with a small increase in the number of management roles. In most industries it was found that you could reduce headcount by spending time counting the time taken to use their bottoms. Fordism, named after Henry Ford, motor mogul and only American whom Adolf Hitler compliments by name in Mein Kampf, takes this concept and expands the automation and assembly line nature of the work. This in turn leads to alienation of the workers from their activity and eventual replacement by robots. Fordism, named after the guide editor Ford Prefect, rejects much of this and posits that a worker should spend much of their time avoiding motion and reclining with a large drink. This in turn leads to eventual replacement by robots. Ed. Across the universe, time and motion studies are only carried out on the lowest paid manual workers. If they are attempted in environments where any amount of creativity is allowed, a young Zaphod Beeblebrox or species equivalent responds with something like, if you've got the time, I've got the motion, baby, and a thrust of whatever passes for hips depending on the local reproductive system. When travelling, you may often need to take temporary employment of the kind where you'll be monitored and alienated. Unions will recommend you join them to pass motions in support of those needing to pass motions. The Hitchhiker's Guide recommends one thing. Always crap on company time. Yes, get shit done. 
Oh, love a work poo. <laughs> oh, God. Love a work poo. The sweetest time theft. There's lots of mm, there's lots of origin stories that I tell about me being a writer and, like, learning to love to write. Like, reading In Cold Blood, uh, like, uh, at A-levels, or realising that I've got, like, a head full of memories and, and, like, I've never expressed them and never really took any photographs and wanted to get them down. But one of the real reasons why I started writing was because when I worked at Compass, my friend would email me questions like, why does uh, Superman have stubble instead of a beard when he turned evil in Superman 2? And to which I would genuinely write two or three thousand words on the semiotics of facial hair (laughs) during work time we have discussed this in a recent episode yes but it's valid and i will continue to stand for it oh completely i just i keep thinking about work poos and other forms of time theft i mean there's a delightful pun at the heart of it i don't want to explain your joke too much but it's even if you don't work in a job now where you need to have a poo to have a break We've all got a lovely story about having a poo. Now, you see, right. Don, I, I would imagine, obviously, in, in times of, of people working uh, from home, but even back in the day, you don't see so much of the fag break anymore. And obviously, the, mm. the days of the smoking room are, are something that don't exist anymore. But there is something to be said for having that excuse, that valid reason to step away from your desk that genuinely helps... <clears throat> you to do stuff yep i've never smoked but there was one guy who i used to work with he did smoke and i would actually call cigarette breaks because i knew we were blocked on something Mm -hmm. we were trying to solve and we would get up we would walk we didn't go far we'd walk down the corridor to the stairwell because (laughs) it was those times where it's like well you're in a stairwell that's obviously a good place to smoke that's the fire egress point should we smoke it (laughs) yes but no we used to go for a quote-unquote smoke break and it would just be to get us into a different space and to make us think differently so that we, so that we could go back. And I, I see, saw my dad do it so many times where he'd be looking at a problem and then he'd just walk away. And in the act of rolling the cigarette, he'd solve it. Yeah, it's, it, you're occupying the conscious and letting the subconscious do its thing and just let it tick away at something in the background. And it is, it, there's also the, the thing about conferences and it gives you this weird pretext. The moments when you can be in a conference and you, you step out and there's just a small group of people that there's something in that shared experience so the irony is a time in motion study would say that was wasted time wasted productivity yeah. uh, you'd think that but when frank taylor invented the idea of them he said he, 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 he noted on both manual heavy manual tasks and i think the the actual one he was using was basically shoveling coal mm-hmm. he noted that people who had breaks rest breaks were were less tired and in the end shoveled more coal and also on these sort of inspection jobs where people had to concentrate and stuff people who had breaks were able to make better decisions and get things right it's just that he invented that and then people went oh no no what you've got here is it's more efficient to shovel that so we can get them to shovel that more <laughs> and and it can't it even taking it to amazon it cannot be the most efficient use of your workforce not to allow them to go to the yeah. toilet no it simply no. can't <laughs> and if you want if they were interested in making money they're not they're just interested in drawing dividing lines and enslaving people i was gonna uh, put a pin in that i might pop in but blow that up a little bit and say like i've never smoked and when i worked in the office that 
I also worked with someone that never smoked. In retaliation, at least once a week, rather than have lunch, we'd go to the local pub. And instead of mm-hmm. having the 45 minutes, we'd have a good two hours lunch and come back. Store them all up. Very slightly pissed. And the only time I was ever, we were ever called on it, fair play to the person, and I won't name him because he'd probably be embarrassed about doing it, but he said, we've never had a smoke break. And the supervisor did the maths in his head and went, yeah, that's fair, to be fair, like that. Like a once a week longer lunch does not equal the amount of time lost for smoke breaks. So, Daniel, you've written some words on the subject of jobs. Three things. Daniel, am I in trouble? Correct. Nobody calls me Daniel. You will be. The second thing is I've got a good friend that is actually a quite well-known productivity author and is, in my experience, one of the nicest people I know. And I want him to know, should he be listening, that I love him very much and I'm not entirely sure about productivity, but he believes it. So therefore it gets the stamp from me of approval because like I trust him. So you've accidentally caught a job? I get it. You're sitting at a desk in a row of identical desks in an office floor that is the same office floor stacked upon itself 30 or 40 times. You're almost certainly hungover and somehow wearing a shirt that is simultaneously too long at the tendrils and too tight across your chest. Stop. Read the large friendly words on the front of the book until you can breathe again. We've all been there. Whether shanghaied into service in the grimy space docks of Grunchill 7, working off the gambling debts accrued on the pleasure planet Vargas, or simply made a massive lapse in judgement when faced with the decision to either sell some of your more precious fluids or get a real job, at some point most hitchhikers end up in office work. By the way, there is a virtual Vargas gambler-to-office employee pipeline set up by the nearest drone planet 124124, so boring they named it twice. This is when the chief suit of 124124 realised it would be cheaper to hire bookies and sex workers to help visitors run up massive debts than pay headhunters and employment specialists. A lot less sleazy too, he's reported to have said. Having now calmed down and accepted your lot, however temporarily, what can you do about it? The answer, of course, is as little as possible. Not only is this a matter of personal comfort, but a moral obligation to the swashbuckling ideal we hold so dear at Megadodo Publications. Here's how you do that, and this is a secret passed down through generations of hitchhikers. Guard it with your life, because if discovered, the jig is up. Or in the case of the dancing offices of River Flatley, the jig is about to start. One word. Productivity. But isn't the point of productivity to do more work, we rhetorically hear you say? To which we say, aha, but is it? You're fundamentally looking at the problem wrong. The point of productivity is to do less. First thing you need to do is let your intelligence resources department know your home planet's religion is productivity. Productivity went from cult to fully-fledged religion after one particularly fruitful afternoon's work thanks to a devastatingly persuasive mind map presentation to the Galaxy's Office of Religion, Sports and Biscuits. 
IR will be delighted. Not only do they get to tick a diversity box on one of the many forms they pass to each other, but also they'll be excited to have such an invested member of the team. Now, as a member of a protected religion, it's against all sorts of codes, laws, guidelines, not to mention ethical boundaries to force you to do things that clash with the core of your religion. If you can't remember which codes, laws and guidelines, don't worry, just make them up. Nobody checks. But this won't be an issue to begin with. After all, you're making your job more productive and by extension, everybody's job easier, right? Nope. The first job is to analyse the workflow. Don't be afraid of these vague terms. Vague terms are now your sword and shield in your newfound lazy quest. Analysing the workflow could take anything from an afternoon to three or four months depending on how big a report you can bother to knock out on a Friday afternoon. Bullet points, some common sense suggestions every so often to guarantee that these will be all anyone will read anyway. Nothing groundbreaking here, a mixture of hyper-focused and generally vague will work best. The new Trimatic drinks dispenser cups should be 25 mini quadlets bigger or smaller. The meeting should be more vertical. The instruction of despair pods go wild. Be sure amongst them to include all reports should include a bullet point summary in your bullet point summary. A decently worded email with these points can ensure the report is never opened in the first place. In fact, the larger the report, the more productive it would be to not actually read for those inclined. Are you getting it yet? With the proper mindset, goofing off will be your main occupation. It's important to remember productivity is about doing less and achieving more. Luckily, it's never specified what that more is. At any point when your productivity guru status is threatened, a good chunk of time can be taken up with finding metrics that can be measured. And if you pick something that hasn't thus far been measured, you can be out the door before any success or lack of it can be discovered. Footnote, all the members of the productivity religion call themselves gurus. It's one of the few organised religions where every member is a guru and none are followers. So is productivity an MLM, Danny? Because uh, everyone's got an upstream guru, right? Everyone's got an upstream guru. I, I think people that that are involved in productivity would be very resistant to that but it is a dodge it like in many <laughs> cases it is a dodge it is and do i will Sorry. go down and it, like in many cases it is a dodge in many cases it's a mixture of common sense and new words and buzz phrases and i think that the wheels of bureaucracy are greased by new words and buzz phrases because anyone that feels as if they're being stagnant won't make a good worker mm. so yeah. i think we can like people that that are involved in that particular machine have to fool themselves every so often into kind of into thinking that they are doing something different and exciting and and better. There's also a lot of stuff that gets lumped into what I think we call productivity because there's the the sort of inbox zero that I was riffing on. There's this that getting things done is a methodology. There's a, a point that I was kind of lost it. A third thing. There's a third thing because the comedy rule of threes, but. <laughs> No, I'm sorry, I, haven't, I, I, I thought I had a point, but I've reached a pothole. Like we were saying earlier on, for productivity purposes, just put in there, just put a joke yeah, here put a joke and then in. move on to the next thing. Yeah, it's fine. But productivity does mean a lot to different people. And I think the gurus will, I don't know, it like there, there are people on the good side of this and then on the bad side of this. There's also the whole thing of the fetishi fetishization of productivity. Yes, like, some people will call bullet journaling 
productive, whereas it's, it's actually one of the least productive things you can do because you're spending all your time making a book look pretty. And yes, you've got all these beautiful looking tick boxes of things that you're going to do and you cross them off from the day before and you write them in the next day. You have a beautifully hand-ruled calendar where you write in all of the, the diary entries for the day. And it's, do you know what's quicker than doing all of that? Like any notepad document, just any plain text document is quicker than all of that. It's not about the productivity. It's about or, being seen. Or doing to, any work. Yeah, it's not about doing any work. It's about being seen to be doing that kind of productivity. What I generally love recently is that all the studies and all the empirical evidence is pointing to if you don't constantly monitor people, they'll do more work than than ever before. They'll do more work than if they were in the office. They'll do more work if like it's a four-day week than if it's a five-day week. If you leave people to do their own shit and do it in their own time and find their own fucking level, they tend to get more done naturally, which, I don't know, I'd, maybe I should write a productivity book, which is, I don't know, fucking, if it works for you, do it. If it works for you, <laughs> do it is the great art of, of a productivity that book. That genuinely is, and that is the best rule for productivity because, and it, like, it will change as well sometimes. It's like going back to your frog thing, genuinely, in that you're a different frog on different days. And, and for some weeks, I feel like I'm, I'm more productive with this particular task management system. On other days, I, I want to reorganize everything into something else. And part of the work of productivity is to actually not bow to those whims and just go, you know what, I can use the same task manager that I've used for the last three years because the important thing is actually doing the work. This impulse is just about either procrastination or just the need to want to do anything different like I, I did a podcast episode on on ways to procrastinate and it is remarkable the things that i can do and and i think anyone any of us can do if, if you ever need me to reorganize my photo collection just put any form of work in front of me that i actually need to do <laughs> and i will organize that some bitch i will mark saying photos. that like it's a bit but like yesterday we were having a conversation and he said oh here's a photograph of me age eight in florida I don't know that. What were you singing? Wasn't the greatest yep. love of all. Yep, it was a video. Uh, it was a still from a video. I opened the video and took the still for you. Yes. And then he found that in about 27 seconds. Yeah. So his productivity is very high. Danny, your book that you've just yes. pitched to me as uh, a major publisher on a minor beta, I am going to commission it because here's how you write a book about productivity. Here's how you write a book about anything to do with modern business that will be placed in the top 10 section in the WH Smiths in the airport when you get airside. What you do is you have a title that is something like this. Stop procrastinating, colon, find your inner frog. Okay, that's your, that's your title. And in the first four pages, you tell me exactly what you're going to do. And then you just repeat that in various ways for 250 pages oh. you're missing the bit you're missing the, the crucial bit which i think is actually a lot of the bulk of the first third of the book which is you mm -hmm. need to collate lots of examples exactly, of yes. people exactly. that have done the of same thing done the people thing. that you've spoken to yeah and they should all for some reason be pastors apparently productivity and business books wouldn't like just tell you about church leaders like they're really interested in about your, what you do in your local church so if you can make sure that you make the book really christian yep. you've cornered that market as well because for some reason people love it when you talk about churches so long as i 100 percent know what the argument is by the fifth page and i've got i've got the idea 
just riff off. If you can get the idea of the book whilst you're still in Waterstones without the manager coming over to you and saying, sir, this is not a library, then you've written the book in the right way. <laughs> so that, that, that fuck it, do it in your own time kind of book that I would write comes from what I'm learning is like an ADHD brain. And I don't mm-hmm. know what comes first. Do I procrastinate because I know that I work best like leaving it to the last minute and then pulling a hyper focus and then doing fucking mm. eight hours straight without going for a pee break? Or do I procrastinate because I'm ADHD and then at the last minute have to pull the eight hours of non-stop work because that's all my brain knows how to do? Like, I know that yeah. I could do an all-nighter. I could work for pretty much solid 12 hours and knock something out. I, I Like, I've mm-hmm. done that a lot. And it still doesn't help you sleep. Still doesn't help. <laughs> Does it help your sleep if Would you like one hour? Oh, you've got to milk yourself. Don't for the disgrace. Before you start a good work, you've got to really milk yourself. So there's no distraction there. Like, you don't want milk to catch... yourself a... before you build yourself. Well, you've got to kill your darlings. Yeah, you don't, want to, you don't want to catch a glimpse of ankle while you're researching oh. and just be veered off track. <laughs> Coming up that table leg, madam, you're inflaming me harder. So yeah, maybe that's a chapter, like, <laughs> really pound one out before you get stuck into work. Drink a pint of milk, for me. eat an Produ- apple. Pro- productivity secrets of the unemployed <laughs> anarcho-syndicalist hippie. We danced around the idea of productivity as a religion, and I, my problem is I'm, I'm definitely a sect in there. I'm a sectarian of some sort. I, I don't exactly know. I might float between a few different dioceses or a few different interpretations. I, I'm not sure if, if I preach to St. Saint David Allen or to St. Merlin Mann. I don't know, but I definitely know that I've got a few gods. I was raised getting yeah. things done, but I, you know, I, I, I I've, I've moved from that. Since I'm, I'm lapsed. <laughs> I'm lapsed getting things done. <laughs> I like the idea about sectarian violence in the productivity oh. arena. I like the fact that it's very costed and very... <laughs> yeah. yeah, the violence is... We'll have a riot, let's budget for it. <laughs> yeah, never kick off and spend too much time planning it. Essentially. The whole point is that pro- productivity methods mm-hmm. are a form of procrastination. Yes. Oh, yeah. th- not, not always, they can be. They absolutely can be, and that is a trap you can fall into. And that is where that is the, the, the sexy seductress, that is the siren call that is constantly luring you, and you have to go, no, I will not listen to you, new app or new methodology. No, I've got to do the things, and it's there going, no, if you do this, you will get so many hours back in your life, and you will feel so much better. You will have a clearer mind. You know, no, I'm not reading your audiobook. But I think it's more insidious than that, though, because with procrastination, it's procrastination. You know, you know, falling down a YouTube mm. hole, but mm. the, the greatest Muppets guest stars is wrong, yeah, completely and bad. Right. But when you fall yes. into a like a getting things done or a productivity, you can completely lie to yourself. You're absolutely justifying it to yourself. It's like, well, this is working. Yeah. Like that, at the end yeah. of this, I'm going to be. It's amazing how ahead of this the uh, the Red Dwarf boys were with Rimmer's revision <laughs> timetables. Like they absolutely wrote the best gag about the productivity vibe mm-hmm. or for uh, i don't know what the word is i'm looking for the productivity cult mm. they, they absolutely wrote that like Rimmer was Rimmer was the guy who is self-improvement to the max yeah but he focuses too much on process and not on actually doing anything and he was incredible and that's it's a really good way to get into something that I really did want to actually make sure we buttoned before we leave for the night. I think this is a bit of an elephant in the room that we haven't spoken about all night, which is our patron saint, yes. which is Douglas Adams, a renowned procrastinator, <laughs> a renowned... Well, um, we actually don't know if he was a procrastinator. We just know, knew that he didn't 
deal very well with deadlines. That doesn't necessarily mean he yeah. procrastinated. He just might have been really slow. A renowned person who didn't deal with, <laughs> with deadlines. So he's the he's the antithesis of a productivity guru. And, and thus the person too. Yeah, and, and I think given that the, the, the tech space, which he did enjoy, is now so populated with productivity as a discourse, I thought it would be remiss of us to not speak to Douglas and think, I think firstly, have we done him okay tonight with our bits on this? Have we skewered this in the way that he'd want us to? But also, what would his take be on this on this culture, to, do, do we reckon? And I turn as ever to our biographer. I was going to say, before I hand it over to John, I would just like to say, I would like to hope, I would hope that we have in as much as we know enough about it to make the right kinds of jokes about it. And I think that's where (laughs) things worked really well. When Douglas Adams had enough of an idea about tech and about robotics and computing, even in the 70s, the incredible prescience of creating the Sirius Cybernetics Corporation, which would essentially be Microsoft, 30 (laughs) years before Microsoft became what they were, shows that he, he had more than a passing knowledge and so I would like to think that, yes, we've, hopefully we've done him all right. <laughs> Go on, then, Mr. Bounds. I, I wouldn't ever like to say that a little things that we do even go anywhere nope. touching the hem of, of nope. his garments. But the, I, what I would, was thinking about when John was saying that was that Douglas, from what we know, was always trying to think about Solving solving his next problem, it'd be all right if he mm. did this, which is the the disease of the sort of the productivity procrastinator. So, but also quite agile, t- John. It sounds quite agile. <laughs> yeah, this is true. He's just there's, working there's, sprints all the time. I forget to which, the bar mostly. I, I forget which, I forget which of his novels, but one of the the novels he, he bought himself another day or so of writing by delivering from his Mac print ready artwork straight to the printers because he was laying it out in his word processor and he could just export a PDF to send it to the printers. That's a hack, than... isn't it? That's that a is great a, that productivity a hack. hack. A, yeah, an Adam's hack. In a world where you need a, literally a bloke doing like hot type stuff, that is a hack. And that would have been one, yeah, would have been one of the... It, it's probably not allowed, even to this day, The yeah, unless you're doing it yourself. But, the yeah, the whole point about those... It, they seem stupid now, don't they? Those book deadlines. So if you deliver a book, for example, I don't know, for example, when Dan and I wrote a book that was going through a proper publishing process, they agreed they wanted the book. We'd finished the book, but they said, no, deliver the book in August. And it was like February. <laughs> yeah. And then when they delivered it, they, they asked about but they could have had it. They could have had what we'd done like months earlier. And then when they finally had it, they go, oh yeah, it'll come out not next year at some point and he's uh, okay i know you're sending it over to china to get it printed or whatever but the sometimes these processes are not built because they're the fastest they're built because they're the cheapest and i think that's a lot of the time what productivity in a workplace setting is really about they really don't care whether it's fastest because if Mm -hmm. it was fastest you could go to the pub no, they want it cheapest. Just in time, isn't it? Yeah. When you uh, go and meet your maker, uh, St Peter at the gate won't be checking your productivity. Or, or actually, or maybe you will. That's the sort of fucking bastard thing gods do, isn't it? That's no masters, John. Jonathan, it looks like here, like, that was a long poo you had that day. But I had to break it up with a stick, but also, <laughs> yeah, it took a long time to do it. <clears throat> I think Adams also commented on corporate culture. There was not the productivity thing there, but... 
he commented a lot about corporate culture and the type of person that now would be obsessed with productivity. And I like it was never favorable. Like the whole is speaks to that. It speaks to the type of person that would be, you know, lecturing people about getting things done. I also think Elon Khalifid was basically writing airport books in the non-fiction section. So he could have been writing productivity manuals. He was writing dumb books for people who think they're smart. Which, you know... Yeah, he could have been writing productivity manuals. (laughs) Tips that God does not want you to know. How to build a world in seven days. (laughs) (laughs) There is a a very good example of doing that deliberately. There's the compute game he's on called Bureaucracy, where the idea is that people will... Well, you have to get a change of address card from your bank, (laughs) and there's a whole adventure. (laughs) This is... And then that would have been instigated because banks had instigated processes which were designed by people doing that sort of systemic scientific manufacturing process design type stuff and it's yeah you can i don't know you can design the fuck about this but essentially every human cog in the chain is attempting to do as little work as they can without being punished and with that mark I'm going to stand on how you're going to edit this podcast because if you don't edit some of John's stuff out, you will, he will get punished. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of work for you there. The entire of Douglas Allen's writing career that I can know of, he railed against bureaucracy and top-down bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. I think he mm-hmm. wouldn't have liked getting things at the productivity and getting things done stuff because it is a bureaucracy that you give yourself. It is extra processes and oh, steps wow. that, that you put in the way of work in the name of doing more work. And that just about wraps it up for The Leopard. Thank you so much for listening to uh, this season's episode, I guess. Seasons as in the, uh, you know, the the Earth-based sense. Uh, The irony is not lost on me that this is an episode about productivity and my to-do list tells me that the episode should be out by July. So that's July 2021. So sneaked just, just under the wire there. We have got uh, another episode um, in uh, in the works for this year, so uh, we will have something around the sort of wintry, Christmassy time to deliver you. So uh, do stay subscribed if you are already subscribed to the podcast. If you're not, uh, you can find out what that might mean and get new episodes at btlpodcast.com, uh, whatever podcast app you use. Uh, we've got links for uh, for the show there. You can also just search for Beware of the Leopard, and uh, now you can actually also search for Hitchhiker's Guide and we should arrive we should appear so uh, yeah well done me I've only been a podcast producer for the last eight years um, thank you to Emma Wright editorial girl for uh, being the voice of the guide to Danny, John and to John and I'll speak sure let's call it very soon let's do that let's say we'll speak again soon <laughs> take care of yourself and above all other things please share and enjoy He was the supervisor that never went on, uh, <laughs> went never on a training days because he got thrown off as well. well. He was Mi- Michigan J Frog. Yeah. He- he- oh no, you've done it, you fucker! Oh, you fuck! <laughs> you and you fucking knew that as well, didn't you? Look, you bastard! Oh, I'm gonna think about that for fucking weeks now. You.
Come on, my baby. Come. I don't know what happened. There was a nice chat about frogs, <laughs> and now Danny's cross. Then what happened? My brain does a thing. What happened? My brain does a thing, and it thinks about the it's same. It's like thing. the game. My brain <laughs> and now you've all lost the game. game. It won't stop thinking about a thing. Like once a thing is fucking mentioned, it won't stop thinking about it. And that frog is the worst thing that occupies my brain because it just doesn't. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, my lifetime get Fuck every single time. Like I'm swinging a cane around now. Like I have been. Like just because of nervous habit, but now I can't because it's Michigan. Fuck the fucking. Just the, I don't know what's going on anymore. Uh, it was it was uh, we discussed in the episode of our podcast that was featured on uh, BBC Radio 4's podcast hour. Uh, podcast radio hour. John H, do you remember there's a frog and Warner Brothers? And it's a, there's maybe two cartoons of it, maybe three. And it's a frog that... They, they parodied it in The Simpsons as well. You'll know it. so it's, it's, it's a, a very frog. gangly dancing frog in a the, top hat. That yeah. forms yeah. Uh, to one man. And then whenever he tries to show yeah. people, he doesn't. And that's the joke. Yeah. Like, m- my brain won't stop thinking about that right. until it forgets about it. I think there's something okay. about that fucking earworm as well. Like, hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, my rectangle. girl. Like, my brain just latches onto that and goes, you're going to think about that for about a month. I hope you're ready. And so when... This is the basis of the thing in WordPress called Hello, Dolly, right? No, Hello, Dolly's from a musical. Oh, I thought that was the same thing. Yeah, I think it's a different thing. So it's that and Carrie, and now I'm going to think about Carrie for for, for at least a year. Uh, like, everything about the film, Carrie. But I'm sorry we broke Brian, again. No, this is the problem, is you you expressed a moment of weakness, you let us in, you exposed <laughs> a chink in your armour, and we used it against you. There are things that, in my brain, that do the same thing, uh, but I'm not going to tell you about them. 